Excellent. Cool. Great. Good to, uh, to be here at the 11.15 service. And uh, we're going to look, if you have a Bible, you could just turn to um, uh, Exodus 34. And uh, we've been just starting to, to look at, when, when I speak anyway, at um, what is God like? And uh, some people wonder that. Uh, some people just make him up as they would like him to be. It's kind of like, like some of us who are older remember Woolworths, pick and mix. You think, oh, I want a bit of that bit of God, a bit of that bit of God. No, I don't, don't like that bit about him. So, uh, so we end up with a God kind of, a, of our own invention. So it's good to look at what God says, uh, not what other people have said about God, but about what God said about himself. And uh, so the passage we're reading, Exodus 34, uh, verse 5 to 7, is, is uh, when God revealed himself, his character, to, to Moses. Uh, he said, I'll show you my glory, I'll proclaim my name. Uh, I'll proclaim my character, if you like, because that's what shows how glorious I am. So Exodus 34 uh, and verse 5 to 7, we're going to look at one bit of this. But the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with Moses and proclaimed his name, the Lord capital letters, that means Yahweh. It's a personal name because God is a personal God. It's not God up there somewhere. He's a personal God. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord. So good he said it twice. Uh, The compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished, He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And Moses bowed down to the ground at once and worshipped. And if you really get an eye full of God, if you really get a moment of revelation of how awesome and wonderful he really is, then your response has to be a little bit like Moses and you just bow down. And most people that had an encounter with God ended up face down Uh, in wonder and and awe. And I don't know if you've ever had that experience, but God is wonderful. And the particular bit that I want us to look at this morning is slow to anger. Last time we looked at compassionate, which is a feeling word, that God is compassionate, he feels what we're going through, and gracious, which is an action word. He acts towards us in grace and kindness, shows us favour. But I want us just to meditate for a few moments on the fact that God is slow to anger. And, And this is a really, Hebrews are very, I was rubbish at Hebrew. I did, studied theology for three years. I was absolutely terrible at Hebrew. In fact, I was so poor that I did a week of it and they, they said to me, you, you needn't worry about this anymore. <laughs> so I had to carry on doing Greek, which I had to work hard and all that. But Hebrew, I wasn't good at. But I know that Hebrew, I know enough to read a book. Uh, Hebrew is a very down to earth uh, language, and uh, you'll like this because a bit of a bit of um, interaction with one another. Can can you turn to your neighbour and make make a face like you're just about to lose your temper with them and clout them one? Don't actually do that because we're good Christians, some of us here. But if you've got a neighbour close enough, okay. Now you're smiling, Barry. That's not it's not, it's not it. That's not it at all. Now let me tell you about this word here: slow to anger. Because it's a Hebrew word, and Hebrew is a very pictorial, down-to-earth language. And what it actually says is, the Lord is long-nostrilled. <laughs> so now God, of course, is, he's, he's not a man like a person like you and I. He doesn't actually, uh, Jesus has nostrils, but 
God uh, as God doesn't have nostrils. It's, it's picture language. But, but if you, uh, Debbie and I had great fun with this at home, to be honest, because she didn't, she didn't believe me. So we, we had fun making angry faces at one another. And, and it's continued looking in the mirror. But when you really get angry with someone, you know those pictures of angry bulls? You know, that what happens is your nostril flares out. And you kind of, if you're losing your temper, you gulp in air and, you, and your nostrils get, I can't make mine wide enough to be seen at the back, but, but your, your, your nostrils flare when you get angry. Did, you didn't know that about yourself? You did, you did know that. Okay, we won't go there. <laughs> Jim, knew, Jim knew that about Josephine, okay. We'll pass over that. That's what happens, you gulp in air and your nostrils, uh, and then you kind of roar at whoever's up, upset you that badly. And that, that, that's a kind of pictorial world. But God is not like that. God doesn't have a kind of a, a rage that flares out of control. He's, in, in the Hebrew, he's long-nostrilled. So, so if you're containing your anger, but, but you, you feel anger, you kind of, you might breathe in and you, you know, and, and your nostrils actually get, get kind of slimmer if you're trying to control yourself. And that, that's the picture here about God. God is slow. Very good. We should have got, should have got a camera on Josephine. She's very good at this nostril lock. She's a, she's a, she's a kind of gymnast of the nostril. So, so, so uh, that's the kind of picture about God. And, and it uses that phrase in, in the Old Testament. For example, Proverbs 14, verse 29 where it says, whoever is slow to anger, some um, translations say patient, uh, has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered is full of folly. So what he's saying is, the one who is long-nostrilled has great understanding. If you can control your anger, then then you've got great understanding. Or or Proverbs 16.32, it says, better is a patient person than a warrior, self-control than taking a city. It's the same word. Whoever has long nostrils is better than the mighty. It's a kind of memorable way of putting it, isn't it? Uh, He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So slow to anger doesn't mean you don't feel frustration. Doesn't mean you don't care. You care passionately. The same feelings are there, but you you don't explode, if you like. You've got control over the rage. Uh, So in in our family, when when my wife used to get cross with the kids, uh, be surprised, but you know, our kids weren't perfect. And uh, and occasionally you got really angry with them, and and the kids used to talk about, Joel used to say, oh, mum's got the Celtic rage again. Christian's wealth, the Celtic rage is a thing in our house. So, but, but when you control that, 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 that's what it's talking about. So in other words, what it's saying about God when it says he's slow to anger is this. You can make God angry, but it's not easy. Did you, did you know that? You can make God angry, but it's not easy. And so, so just looking at that, it's kind of done my sermon for me, really, because the, the kind of two major points are God is slow to anger, and the second one is he does get angry. And, and you, you actually have to hold, to be balanced on this, you've got to hold both extremes together. Because in, in the middle of the road, it's just white lines and dead badgers. You've got to, 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 be, to hold, to be, uh, to be balanced, you've got to hold all extremes. God is slow to anger. Now, I don't know if you remember, but uh, ages ago when we first talked about this, I talked about the gods of Egypt. Now, the gods of Egypt, like, like the gods of, of Greece and other places, they were really tempestuous. They, they were a bit like people, but bigger. 
kind of more power, but like people. That was the way people imagined them. And they were volatile and fearful, and you had to keep on the, the right side of it, calm them down, or something awful would happen to you, ward off bad harvest. And, and it was all very scary. And what God is saying to Moses is, I'm not like that. God is not a God who loses his temper and slams doors. God is not a God who flies off the handle and zaps people randomly with lightning. He's just not, not like that. God is slow to anger. He's long-nostrilled in Hebrew. The Greek word is usually translated patience, which we understand. Patience doesn't mean that you don't have those emotions. It means that they're under control, doesn't it? They're under control. The earliest versions of this verse talk about God being long-suffering. I like that phrase. It's very vivid, isn't it? So, so he's suffering our sins. He's suffering rebellion and all the other things that go on in the world. He's suffering, suffering long because he's patient. He's slow to anger. The, the Aramaic Bible, the Targum, which was the, the Bible kind of Jesus would have used, paraphrases it like this. Yahweh is patient, the one who makes anger distant and brings compassion near. Isn't that lovely? The God who makes anger distant and brings compassion near. I love that. God's anger is far away, but his compassion is close. So God is slow to anger. I don't know about you, but I'm really pleased about that. Isn't that good news? I think it's very good news for some of us. The more honest and self-aware you are, the more you'll realise what good news that is. That God is really patient with you and me. Very patient. Very long-suffering. On the other hand, we, we mustn't read it as God never gets angry. That, that isn't what it says, is it? It says he is very slow to anger. So that's the other side of it. God, God gets angry slowly. You can look at it. So you need to keep both. So in other words, God, God can get really mad. I mean, that's a nice way, but I just said that provocatively. God can get really mad, but it's under control, but he can get really mad. He gets really angry. Did you know the Bible, we don't often talk about this, maybe not enough, I don't know. The Bible uses the word wrath, W-R-A-T-H, 600 plus times. That's, that's a lot of times. God does get angry. Now, we're a church that loves to speak about the grace of God, and I'm glad we do. His unmerited goodness, his undeserved kindness and forgiveness. And I, I'm here this morning because that's what he's like. He's gracious. He forgives us when we come to him. He's full of mercy. We'll look at that. But he does get angry against sin. He's not a tame God. He's not a domesticated God. He does get angry and wrathful. Let me give you just a few examples. Psalm 7, verse 11, 12. God is a righteous God, a God who displays his wrath every day. If he doesn't relent, he will sharpen his bow. There's a picture of God as a, as a, as a warrior who's getting angry, who displays his wrath every day. Wow, that's, ooh, that's a bit kind of not the kind of God we talk about normally, but God hasn't changed. It's not like there was an Old Testament God and then he's kind of matured with age and mellowed a bit and now he's a New Testament God, kind of nice aversion. No, it's not like that. He's the same God yesterday, today and forever. Jesus Christ never changes. Uh, Habakkuk 3 verse 2 which was written at a time when God was really angry with the whole nation of Israel because they'd deserted him and they're going to go into exile. And the prophet writes, praise to God, in your wrath, remember mercy. 
And he's praying both sides of God. He's saying, God, I know we've deserved your discipline and we're going to have your discipline, but please, whilst you're angry, please still be merciful. That's a great prayer. He's praying back the character of God to God. How about this language we don't normally uh, use? Psalm 5, 5 and 6. You hate those who do wrong. The bloodthirsty and the deceitful, Lord, you detest. That's strong language, isn't it? Really strong language. Psalm 11, verse 5. The wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. Well, he loves everybody. Yeah, he does, but he, but he hates the violence. He hates that. Well, that's kind of shocking language, isn't it? God hating, God displaying anger. Who does God feel like that about? Well, it says the wicked, those who love violence, those who deceive. You see, God has an ultimate plan to rid the world of all evil. Personally, I think, bring it on, Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. I can't wait to live in a world where there's no sin, no hatred, no death, no crying, no mourning. I think it'd be wonderful. That's God's ultimate plan. But he still feels the pain of sin and evil and war in the world. He's, he's a personal God, Yahweh. He has feelings. He feels sad and angry about evil in the world. Now, now we might be shocked about that, but if you think about it, we who are made in his image, don't, don't you sometimes feel that too? I, I, if, I think if we're honest and reflect on it, we do. When, when, the, when someone who's elderly is ripped off by a con artist, don't, don't you feel angry? Or well, maybe it's just me. I, can't, I don't think it is. When, when an innocent bystander gets shot somewhere, Birmingham last week, someone just drive-by shooting, don't, don't, don't you feel grieved? When someone's bombed, don't, don't you feel angry, tearful? I, I do. What, what, about, what about you read about a paedophile that's kind of got away with it for a decade? Don't, don't you feel... Ugh! can't just be me, I'm sure. When, when you hear about some poor person in Afghanistan who's sold their daughter just so they can eat, there is an anger against those who perpetrate. I, I, I sometimes feel anger, frustration, call it like that. See, frust it's frustration that leads to anger, isn't it? You feel upset, frustration that leads to that. When, when someone's killed because of the colour of their skin or rejected because of the tribe that they happen to belong to, that really upsets me. When I hear about a drug dealer selling stuff to students, I get upset about that kind of thing. And there's something in us that says, it's not supposed to be like this. Isn't that something deep down that says, no, that's, that's just evil. That's a, that's a right response to evil because it actually comes out of love, doesn't it? It comes out of compassion for people. And you think, that's just, that's just wrong. That's not right. John, John Stott, when he's talking about God's wrath, God's anger, he says this, God's wrath is his steady, unrelenting, unremitting, uncompromising antagonism to evil in all its forms and manifestations. That's a proper teacher's quote, isn't it? <laughs> God's wrath is his steady, unrelenting, unremitting, uncompromising antagonism to evil in all its forms and manifestations. Now, now we, we don't often talk about this, so, so one morning's fine. <laughs> so, so I think we have to remember God's, God's anger is different to ours. See, my anger often comes, if I'm honest, and maybe yours as well, comes from a wounded ego, isn't it? You know, I'm upset because I was delayed. 
because what I wanted to happen didn't happen. So, so it's kind of, oh, I was made to feel silly or something like that. So often that's just an ego. God's anger doesn't come from an ego. It comes from his parent-like love for his world. His anger at what's, well, that shouldn't be like that. Our anger, my anger is often, or human anger is often unjust and disproportionate. We call it anger, but it's kind of just flying off the handle, getting, getting a bit of revenge in. Do you, do you see what I mean? Often that's, that's human anger. We, we often mistake revenge for, for justice, but God's anger isn't like that. It's under control. Our anger is often impatient, a quick kind of flare-up, but God's anger is patient. He, he waits. He's not willing that any should perish, the Bible says. He longs for people to turn to him. So God, he, God gets angry, but it's unusual and he's slow to anger. Now, I don't know how many of you even remember the, when I talked about God's mercy and compassion. I, I told the story of um, Nineveh, Jonah. Jonah and the whale, listen to my tale and all of that. Uh, and uh, do you remember Jonah preached to the city and the city repented because God's full of compassion and mercy and he spared them and Jonah got angry. And he starts quoting the Bible back at God, and, which is, you know you're in trouble when you start quoting the Bible back, back to God. Anyway, so he, he said, I knew, I knew you were merciful. I knew you were compassionate and gracious. And he's really angry because he's a racist and he didn't like them and they weren't a very nice people. And God had spared the city. Uh, and, uh, but the prophet had been made to look silly because he'd said it was going to be destroyed, but God had relented. So, so he quotes it. But listen to the, this is a funny thing. 150 years later... Nahum was a different prophet, one we don't, one, one, you know, small little books at the back of the Bible you don't read very often and can never find. Those, Nahum's in there, and uh, it's not a very well-known book. And Nahum, this is about 150 years later, and the Assyrians had just taken 10 out of the 12 tribes of Israel into slavery. Uh, they're, 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 they've devastated the whole of the north of Israel uh, because the north of Israel had all turned away from God. And Nahum comes to them, and he quotes Exodus as well. But this time the message is different. He says, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God. He's filled with wrath. The Lord is slow to anger, but he's great in power, and he will not leave the guilty unpunished. So here you get two prophets, 150 years apart. One of them, God is gracious and compassionate, and not willing that any should perish, and he spares the city. Here we are, two or three generations later, and a different prophet says, okay, God is gracious, he is merciful, but he's also angry with you, and you're going to experience his judgment. Do you see? And now both are true. <laughs> and that's, I think that's a really good story, illustrating the grace and the mercy and the long-sufferingness of God, but also the warning, hey, don't try his patience. Don't keep on and on sinning. And it's the same God, the same God who spares the city and now says, and both, both times the prophet quotes this passage, Exodus 34. Once about his mercy, the next time that, that their time was up. God is gracious. He is compassionate. He is slow to anger. That's his nature. He's waited 150 years. But now comes a time of reckoning. And Nineveh actually was, in fulfilment of Nahum's prophecy, totally destroyed by Babylon, reduced to rubble. Now, all of this, of course, seems a bit, a bit heavy going to Nineveh, March 2022. But just bear with me for a bit. Let's consider God's anger, because we mostly focus on his compassion and his grace and his love. And it's a, it's a bit of a theological bit. Go to sleep if you want. I'll wake you up at the end. 
three ways that the Bible talks about God's anger. The first is, and it's very rare, his active present anger. That's when God deals with evil right now, this side of judgment day. Like, like he threatened to do in Nineveh and eventually did. It's rare, but it does happen, not often, so occasionally in the Bible. So for example, the story of um, Uzzah in one Sam, uh, 2 Samuel 6, when Israel didn't take the holiness and wonder of God seriously and they put the ark of God, which they're always supposed to ca- carry very carefully and only priests and with poles, they shoved it on a cart uh, and they'd been told never to touch it. And they ignored it. And, and it says, 2 Samuel 6, verse 7, God's anger burnt against Uzzah. He was struck down and he died there. That's shocking. Rare, but shocking. You get a similar thing in the New Testament, just in case you think God's got grown out of that habit. In Acts chapter 5, the same thing happened to Ananias and Sapphira when they lied to Peter and indirectly lied to God. They could have given what they wanted, but they sold a bit of property, wanted to show off, and said, hey, we've given all of this to God. And they hadn't. They'd given a percentage, which was fine, but they'd lied about it. And the same thing happened. And it says great fear or awe struck the church. That's a very rare thing. Very rare. But it's there in Scripture. Here's the second one. God's future anger. That's mostly what the Bible talks about. What's often called the day of the Lord when all living beings will be judged and every wrong will be put right, all betrayals, all greed, all violence will be answered for. See, God's a perfect God of love and holiness and a God that's perfectly holy in the end must judge because his justice has to be satisfied. He's angry about what is evil. And you see, whether you think about God's wrath as a bad thing or a good thing entirely depends on where you are with God. Really, it does. See, if you've got a right relationship with God and others, you can't wait for the judgment. I think, come Lord Jesus. I, I, I look at what's going on in bits other parts of the world, I think, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> End all this. Let's, let's, let's finish evil for once and for all. But, but on the other hand, if, if you're wicked or you've refused the mercy of the Lord, the day of the Lord is a scary thing to look forward to, isn't it? The Bible says it's appointed for human beings once to die and then to face the judgment. That can be a wonderful thing. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Or, wow, let's call for the mountains to cover us. We're, We're scared. So it's a sobering thing. God is not mean. He's not slow to anger. But his righteous anger will come eventually. That's kind of sobering, isn't it? And then the third way God talks about his anger in the Bible is this. It's, it's what, what theologians have called his passive present anger, which is this. God acts against evil by saying, OK, have it your own way. And Romans 1 talks about that. It says the wrath of God is, is seen right now in that he's given people o- over to the consequences of their action. That's, that's, isn't that interesting? So it says God gave them over to the lust. He gave them over to depraved thinking. In other words, he's saying, okay, you have it your own way. You have the fruits. You experience the fruits. What you've sown, you'll reap. You have the fruits of that. And so a scandal breaks. A body becomes addicted and broken. Get fired for cheating. Our love grows cold. Our marriage is red. Whatever it might be. Law and order breaks down. All all different things which are just seen in society. And that's the the third way in which that's described. 
because in the Bible, the interesting thing is, in Western Europe, we're kind of a bit shocked by, by the even thinking about this. It's a bit shocking to us. In the Bible, you know, more people got angry that God wasn't getting angry more often. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? The way our, our thinking, so we're shocked by God's anger. In the Bible, more people were shocked that he wasn't angry. If you read the Psalms and say, God, why aren't you more angry? Look, the wicked are getting away with it. Why don't you do this? Why, why don't you do that? <laughs> They're much more, much more offended by that. So it's interesting, isn't it? I think it's fascinating. More people were saying, God, why don't you do something? See, the truth is today, sometimes when we think about God, we think of God as being so tolerant that he never gets angry. That's why it's good to just think about it for a few moments this morning. We think God is kind of live and let live, right and wrong in our society. He's kind of a bit elastic. And if we're not careful, we kind of rebrand God to be a bit like a Western European, <laughs> which he's not. He's God Almighty, full of holiness and full of grace as well. See, it's like, don't, someone will say, but isn't God love? Yeah, he is. And you know, as a parent, when, when you're a really good parent, you get angry about your kids getting damaged or damaging themselves out of love, out of compassion. See, the Jesus that was full of love also said, hey, repent and believe the good news. He, come, he came in love with good news of a kingdom, but he asks us to turn away from sin, to change sides, to make Jesus our king, to trust in him. Jesus spoke more about judgment and repentance than anybody else if you actually read what he says in the Gospels. I've never noticed before, I noticed this week in John chapter 2, where it tells the story about Jesus sorting the temple out, it says he made a rope of cords. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but he, so in other words, he didn't have a temper tantrum. Jesus in the temple, you remember the story we knocked over the, he didn't have a temper tantrum. He, he went somewhere, he got a load of cords, and he carefully plaited them, and then tied that off so there were flay bits. At the, he, he actually took time to make, that's, that's the long-suffering patience of God in, a, in picture form. Jesus was angry, but it wasn't an impulsive outburst. He's slow to anger. He was angry because the place of mercy had become, become a place of making money. That's what he was angry about. At the tomb of Lazarus, it says, when Jesus came, it's not there in it, very much in the English, it says he came snorting to the tomb. He's, he's angry about what sin and illness and death does to people. He came full of tears as well. He's an emotional God. It's a his anger is a mature response to evil in the world. So what are we to make of all this? What's, what's our response to this funny old talk? this morning about God being slow to anger, long-nostrilled, but also getting angry. Well, I want to encourage us to this. Let's be responsive to our patient Lord. Are you? are you? Are you a person who's responsive to the patience of God? He's not wanting to thump us. <laughs> the very opposite. He longs to embrace us, and he embraces us in all our sin, and he cleanses us, but he's also involved in a process of one step at a time making us more holy. Let's cooperate with him. Let's cooperate with him. God's, see, on the other hand, God's not a permissive, liberal-minded, open-minded God. He's not judging us, but he asks us to keep in step with his Holy Spirit, which leads, so let's recognise and be responsive to our patient Lord, which leads me on to the second one, which is this, deal with your stuff. 
We've all, we've, we've all got stuff. Are, are you, it's just a question to hang out there, not looking at anybody in particular. But are we dealing with our stuff? As God shows us this or that or the other, are we dealing with it? Are we having dealings with God? Because we reap what we sow. Are you dealing with your stuff? And I know as I say that, some people will be thinking of their particular thing. So I don't need to say anything. Deal, deal with your stuff. Deal with God. Get before God. Say, God, help me with this. If you need help, ask someone else. Will you pray for me? Will you stand with me? Will you hold me accountable? This is a problem. Deal with your stuff. And then thirdly, let's be slow to grow angry as well. God is a patient God, are we? So it's a fruit of the spirit. Some of, us, some of us temperamentally don't get angry very much. Some of us temperamentally do. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. But, you know, the Holy Spirit, part of the fruit of the Spirit, is he helps us be long-suffering, patient. James 1, verse 19 and 20, everyone should be quick to listen, quick to speak, and slow to become angry. Some of us do it in reverse, I know. Oh, we need God's help. Are you, let's ask God to work patience in us as a fruit of the Spirit. One day, God will put all the crooked things in the universe straight. In the meantime, let's be gracious like him, Let's be compassionate like him and let's be slow to anger. Now, it's great to break bread this morning. You know, at, at the cross, Tim spoke about the foot of the cross. And at, at that cross, both of those things met, didn't they? The compassion and the mercy of God on the one hand and the righteous judgment of God on the other hand. Jesus died full of love, but he also experienced the wrath of God against sin. I'm so pleased. So if you haven't trusted in Jesus yet, if you haven't said, Jesus, have mercy on me, look, look at that cross. That's the place where the wrath of God that you and I deserve was poured out on Jesus. Where he said, Father, why have you forsaken me, my God? That's what he felt, so that we would never have to feel that. So if you've never trusted in Jesus, just say, Jesus, forgive me. Thank you that I'll never have to bear the wrath of God because you bore it on the tree. Give your life to him. And in the meantime, as we live our Christian life clothed in his righteousness, let's remember he's a holy God and he'll lead us into holiness too. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're full of mercy and grace, full of compassion towards us. But thank you that you're great, awesome in your holiness. Thank you that you're slow to anger. Lord, I know we must sometimes try your patience, but I thank you that you're slow to anger. And Lord, we trace, place our trust again in Jesus. We thank you that you laid on him, as was read this morning so beautifully, you laid our sin upon him. And we thank you so much. We ask that you would work in us by your Holy Spirit, greater patience, that we would reflect who you are to a world that needs to see you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.